You know, I was driving over here today and I had on my uh, playlist for rock on Apple playlist. And you know what song came on, which baffled me? Tell us. It was, it was a Dave Matthews song. Whoa. That's not rock, is it? That's, is that rock now? Is that, I, I, I never grouped Dave Matthews as, as a rock category. Yeah, that's a little I, weird. I mean, what's next? Like a fish song? I, well, this is what was even crazier. Pete Yorn's song came on after that. And I was like, that's Pete Yorn's. I mean, I don't know. I, maybe, I don't know. Is pop, everything's changing so much. They're like, uh, we don't know what to do with Dave Matthews. We're just going to throw him into the rock category. In fairness, I look back on it and, and I don't know what to do with Dave Matthews either. <laughs> well, we got a lot to undress in this episode. So let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock, the show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello. What's going on, loyal neighbors out there? I am Brian Chambers, and as always... I am Philip Goffrey. Thank you much for tuning in to our third episode of our fifth season. Yes, exactly. We're excited. We got a lot to undress this episode. I like that you're doing undress now. It's so scandalous. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm slipping some things off. And the one time I don't have a camera rolling, <laughs> Brian. The one time. Uh, uh, well, just it's a visual thing for our listeners, right? Well, you, you all have very good imaginations. So you can imagine <laughs> what Mr. Chambers actually. Is, uh, please, please don't. Let, let's let's not encourage that. But we are oh. going to talk about the uh, price of education. What's going on with the start of a new school year for oh. many of you? Yeah, some of you either like really just did what Philip did was. Ugh. Yeah, this one hits a little close. To or me. are very excited. Yay, school's back, and I have some more time uh, without the kids. <laughs> uh, also, Can I be both? <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of people that are the I, both. I think so too. It's it's like that's why they drink, right? It's like yay, oh, pour more in the bottle. Um, but they're also we're going to talk about naming rights to a new ape at a zoo, which is a very endangered uh, animal, which you guys actually could get in on this action if you really wanted to at the time of this recording. Um, and we're going to have some great neighborly advice for you. So let's jump into our first topic. And since the school year is here, let's talk about school. Yeah, absolutely. everyone's favorite topic, right? Oh, yeah, it's just it's great. Everyone's shelling out those checks. It's just awesome. Well, OK, and let's be clear now for education. Education is important. We want to make sure that we state that education is extremely important. Yes, kids. Be cool. That's right. Stay in school. Oh, was it be cool? Stay in school or go to school? I think it was Stan. Maybe school. I'm sure you were right. Yeah, I, I think there was <laughs> I don't a wave. Know if I ever got that right? I'm pretty sure in the late '80s there was a wave of dropouts happening across the country in high schools, and that's where that came from. Oh, okay. I, I was part of the Dare program when I was in school. Yeah, me too. Officer I, Lombard, if you're listening out there, big <laughs> shout out. Thanks for that uh, fear tactic brow beating that you gave me as a young man oh did he ever oh they didn't use tasers back then that was just straight up no, they just shot you it's just straight up beat yeah. you or something uh but yes there is a price increase that happens every year if you are interested in private school education okay so we're gonna so all right so, so, so i, I want to distinguish between public education and private education and now i'm also not throwing out that one is better than the other right so we're talking primary school here we're talking about for the young kids Pri the primary well k through 12 gotcha 
we're going to go K through 12. And, you know, I was in, I was a public school person all the way up until high school. Okay. So I was a similar mix. I was public school until middle school, halfway through junior okay. high. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and part of that was just from where we were when I was growing up and things like that. Um, you know, I have other siblings that once they got into uh, lower grade schools and middle schools that they were doing private schools. But for the most part, me and my older brother and some of my, or so I should say some of my brothers were public school up until high school. And for me, it was it was great. It was a blessing. Of course, I didn't have to deal with the financial part of the aspect. Yeah, I know. For, of, for of you, it was no problem. It was no, yeah. no worries. Well, I, I wouldn't say no problem. Let's say we didn't skate through high school, you know, like all willy nilly, like, woohoo. You know, I, I struggled a little bit at times. I was not the best student. I, I can say that, honestly. And I know we've had that conversation before, but uh, but yeah. it was Anyone good for me. Anyone who listens to our show knows that I was also not, not the best, best student. student. So. <laughs> I mean, it, it was good for me, and, and I really enjoyed it. But right now, and, I, and I've worked in in on the business side of some of these schools as well at this point in my life now. The price increases. It's a, for those tuition costs about, I think it's like one to three percent every year. Oh it, yeah, it goes up at least, and at, at least yeah. And and we're talking we're we're not talking small dollars here. We're talking large amounts of of money. You know, according to GeneralAcademic.com, it kindergarten ranges around fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars for private school. And grade school, like middle school, around twenty to twenty-two thousand, and then tw- uh, high school, twelfth uh, grade, and things like that, around anywhere can range between the twenty to thirty thousand dollar range, depending where you're. Again, this is all depending where you're going. We're not being very specific to certain schools, but I will say that they're the most one of the most expensive schools in the Houston area is over forty thousand dollars a year, and the cheapest private school is around $10,000 a year. So there's a massive gap. It's an interesting thing. I went to a phenomenal private school for high school in Connecticut, a place called Greens Farms Academy. And and yes, anybody who knows Greens Farms, you're more than welcome to say it like this, <laughs> Greens Farms Academy. But it truly was. It was excellent. It was a college level education for um, primary school, which is really, really amazing. But when I graduated in 99, just to date myself a little bit here, tuition for a high school was right around 13 grand. Last I checked, it's triple that. Yeah, I, I, again, I oh for where you were. Yeah, yeah, that that doesn't shock me. Um, and I know, like, do you think you would have had just as good of an education in public school as you did private school? Uh, no, I don't. The public school that I would have been zoned to was an excellent school. Most of the schools in Fairfield County, Connecticut, are actually really good. But there's always a relative way to look at that, right? And having a very, very small class size, it, it made a big difference. I mean, basically, well, we had AP classes. I know all high schools have those AP classes, yeah, the college-level yeah, yeah. classes, but in all honesty, they were all college-level classes, and what was expected of us was college-level stuff. Now, like we talked about, I wasn't the best student, not because I didn't love to learn. I've always loved to learn. I've always been an avid reader and, and I've always self-educated myself, it's about the, as you know. Yeah, it's about the motivation, right? Yeah, but I just don't do well with people telling me you have to go write down that math problem 50 times. I, I just naturally rebel. Yeah, I, rebel ma- out of cause math problem. wasn't my strong suit either. I actually struggled in that. It wasn't, you know, numbers weren't, weren't my game, weren't my jam. Yeah, you know, superstructured education is not for everybody, that's for sure. But but honestly, I, I do think that I did get 
more personal attention, let's say, at the private school that I went to than I would have in public. And for me, that really saved me. It made a pretty big difference. Okay. I, and I can appreciate that because I'm, I'm similar to that. I, I feel it prepared me for college a lot more than I probably would have gotten into public school. And, and I would have gone to a, a good public school, I feel. But again, I, I don't think that I would have gotten the same amount of attention. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I got more out of it, I, I believe. And and, and again, this is just speculation of my my opinion. I mean, you can look at where everyone goes to college and you can say, oh, well, there's a certain amount of percentage of people in private schools that get into certain universities and place and blah, blah, blah. You know, that doesn't mean you can't go to public school and get into all those universities. But again, when you look at the sample size of everybody of what they're the courses, like you talked about what they're taking, college level courses versus the 4.0 GPA for a public school, you know, who's taking, well, I think that there's you know, always ba- basic, basic high school courses, you know, it, it changes a little bit, you know, I, yeah. and I'm not part of college admissions, so I don't, I can't speak on that behalf, those behalf. But. I think that there's always going to be shining stars, no matter which institution you're coming out of, no matter what city or town you're living in. I think that there are going to be those students who are dedicated and hardworking and brilliant, and they put in the time and the sweat and they go far. But I think that it's, a little bit easier to fall through the cracks in the really huge public schools. But also, if you speak with anybody who's an educator, basically everybody will tell you, whether they're in public school or private, that there's a lot broken about all of it. I think that private is a little bit quicker to correct things that are wrong. They're, they're more adaptable than public is because of oh, public, the money you know, starts to dry up. They quickly adapt. Well, there's the, there's the monetary <laughs> factor of it. There's the prestige factor of it. There's also just the fact that they can get away with a little more, right? They make their own curriculum for the most part, unlike in public school where it's all. Well, yes, yes and no. They still have to follow certain guidelines. Yeah, there are state and federal guidelines that yes. they have to meet. But, but within that, they have quite a lot more freedom, I think, than, than public schools do, right? And obviously, this varies a lot state by state. I mean, Texas, our great state, gets criticized quite frequently in the media for curriculum choices that are made on the public school level. Yeah, yeah, the Texas education and stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to bring up that, that Miss North Carolina uh, answer question and answer. <laughs> oh yeah. Poor thing. Poor thing. Um, but, but yeah, but to your point, I, I, I can see that side of it, but do you really think that private school is worth paying as the prices increase? I mean, you're looking at prices that rival some of the top universities in the country. How are people affording that? Okay. Well, full disclosure, our daughter goes to private school, our nine-year-old, and she's about to enter fourth grade. So we did make the decision to, to go the route of, of shelling out really serious money to, for her education. It's no joke, man. I mean, when it comes time to write that check, it hurts, especially coming through the pandemic. And a lot of people really sweat it really hard and have to make a lot of sacrifices to afford that big tuition bill for private school. I have been around families and around parents who pressure themselves into making that decision and putting out that money that maybe they don't have to. But as I'm saying, do you feel that, a lot, and not talking about you personally, which I appreciate you sharing that, but 
talking about other people saying, oh, well, so-and-so goes to this school. So yeah. I've got to go to this school because we live in, that's where, that's where, that's where these people are, you know, yeah, it becomes I, almost I, like very cliquish. Like yeah. I, got, I got to get in with this, this, the high society. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of parents out there that make the mistake of, of pressuring themselves into not doing the proper research to even look into whether or not their public options are good or bad. They just assume immediately, oh no. I have to go and send my child to a very prestigious private school with small class sizes. And they have all those kind of buzz phrases, right? Personal attention, small class sizes, flexible curriculum, blah, 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 blah. And they don't then take the time to make sure that they are really making the right decision for their family, not just for their, you know, family finances and, and their, their purse strings, but also for their child. Some children do better in really big groups. Sometimes stars need to shine in clusters, not just on their own. Yeah, and I, I agree. And, and to your point, too, for any parent that is considering this or having dealt with this, you, you can probably have firsthand knowledge. But for those that are, are looking into it, just because you get in and put your kiddo in a certain institution doesn't mean that they are going to shine there. You know, you, they still got to do the work yeah. and they, it still has to be a fit for them. Right. I mean, it's it, just like every place is. And, and hopefully, hopefully everyone that is, uh, you know, applying to certain schools, just like just like universities and colleges, because I, I think that we can speak to that as well. I think some people end up places and then end up moving because they didn't look into it properly. Oh, yeah. Y you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, How I many think, people do you know that transferred schools and changed majors because it, it sets them back so far, right? Well, because and, they just realize, oh, I made a huge mistake. Exactly. But I feel like that's also starting to happen to uh, some of the private schools, too. They'll, they'll go a year or two and they'll, nope, I can't. It's not for me and I, I'm gone, right? Yeah. And I, I can speak to that personally as well, Brian, because our plan with our child is actually to put her in public at the high school level. And the reason why is because I did do that due diligence. I did do that research. And the high school that we happen to be zoned to, assuming that we don't make any big life changes and big moves, is an absolutely wonderful institution. Okay. There's no reason for us to pay for private school once she's of that age. And that's kind of interesting, right, to have those options to look at it. I tell you, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking that just because their student goes to a prestigious private institution, they're going to have a dramatic leg up in going to these fantastic colleges and it's going to set them on this great career path. But the bottom line is that mediocre and falling in the middle kind of looks the same no matter what you're coming out of. If you're going to be well, a that's middle why, of the road that's, student. That's why it's called middle of the road. Right. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and let's go back to my uh, high school alma mater, right? Let's talk about Greens Farms Academy. To be middle of the road in Greens Farms Academy, in my opinion, looking back on it, was the same thing as being middle of the road in any of the good public high schools that were in my area. I, I probably have a, a, I would probably say that for me, being middle of the road was, was not the same as being middle of the road for, for private school, from the school I went to. A and that's just my take on that. But, but I'm not talking about the quality of your education. I'm talking about how it looks on paper for things like college admissions oh, and okay. job I, applications. Well, yeah, I, I, can, I can agree to see that point, but I also think, and again, from my perspective, I feel it's not quite as accurate. I still think that you do have a leg up. It's a, it's a matter of those that want to take advantage of the leg up. Fair. Yeah. I mean, there is a networking you, you, opportunity. Exactly. So, because there's, there's a lot of people that are... Yes, when you're in the top level of everything, you're looked at and things. But if you're in the door, you have 
a chance for some of those opportunities. I just don't think some people take advantage of those opportunities as much because again, when you allow yourself to be, Oh, I'm going to be middle of the road or bottom or whatever. It's, it's kind of like, you know, (laughs) well, okay. So let's, it's like, I'll go play some Xbox. (laughs) So let's explore that. Let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's explore that a little bit. So let's say that you do leverage your excellent education, wherever you graduate from, and you get into that top notch university for your higher education, if that's what you want to do. Let's talk about pricing for that, because (laughs) you think that private school is expensive for freaking primary school? Well, it depends, again, because you have the same sectors. You have the private universities and colleges and also the public universities and colleges. And then you have in-state tuition versus out-of-state tuition. Right. So it is going to flex or I guess fluctuate is the word I was looking for. Yeah. So I look at it like this. I look at it with the, you know, those beautiful private institutions that may even be out of state. And I I classify those as my, I work till I die category for my daughter. And then the other ones are, I might retire one day. Because this has gotten <laughs> so yeah, expensive. See, and when she doesn't go, she's like, oh, dad, you never sent me to that school. She's like, I know. We call that the beach house. <laughs> yeah, I wish. So, all right. But just to give some uh, some of our listeners an idea, if, you haven't, if you're not really sure about, about these. Now, these are prices that we've looked at as of today. Um, you know, Rice University here, located in Houston... We're looking at almost $70,000 a year. And that's, of course, if you're staying on campus. That's with room and board. Room and board and, yeah. and everything else. What's tuition? Tuition is 51000 Wow. $51,000 a year. For Rice. Yeah. And if, if you're looking at other costs, like we were talking about, books, room and board, things like that, then adds an almost, almost another 20 grand to that. So you're looking just under 20 grand just to stay on campus. So, okay. So to send your child to, I can see why some parents, when they got their kids at rice living here in Houston, like, no, you're living at home. No kidding. I mean, it just saves yourself 20 grand. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, so to send your child to rice university, or if you pay for your own education to go to rice university, you have to spend per year more than most Americans make. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. I know. How bad do you want it? You know, and then, well, uh, let's look at another university, U of H, University of Houston here. Okay, that's a bit more grounded. So, yeah, well, a lot more people go. And, and again, these are both good institutions, uh, but you're looking at around 24000 a little over $24,000 uh, for uh, tuition, well, for, with including room and board. But tuition itself is only about $10,000. Just, okay. just a little and a little bit under, but but around ten thousand dollars, and so the cost of books, campus, and room and board is more than the actual tuition. It's a little over fifteen thousand for room and board and books and all that. So you're looking at about twenty four, a little over twenty four thousand dollars a year. You know, so if you're going to go the which, route, which feel which feels a little bit more. Okay, I can handle that. Yeah. Now, University of Houston is a good school. It's obviously not the prestige of, of Rice or A&M and all that, but it's a good school. So you're still looking at, if you're going to go out this uh, full room and board and you're going to do the conventional student loans, pay for it, pay for it as you go kind of deal, you're looking at over $100,000 in debt for a four-year degree just to go to U of H. Yeah. I, I mean- That's and, amazing. And, and the rates are going to continue to go up. You know, I found this uh, this article on Forbes Advisory because when I was looking at the, the prices of all these universities and then I started looking at other universities outside because you're not even including in-state and the out-of-state stuff. It all fluctuates, right? Uh, I found this this article 
And it was, it was talking about, is college even worth it? And three reasons that you should consider it, you know, as in you should consider not going. Well, just, will you make up your mind? Let's, let's, let's kind of put that, I'm going to put that out there because some people say, yes, college is worth it. And, And actually let me preface this before. Let, let's, let me ask you before I go into this article, do you think college is worth it? I think that. I mean, we've, I think we can both be on the same page. High school is worth it no matter how you do it, whether you go to public school or private school. Yeah, I think that finishing high school is certainly worth it. I think that college is worth it for anybody who knows what they want to go to school for and who knows that their career really requires that kind of an education, that kind of specific skill set. I mean, you don't think it's just for the paper? You don't think it's going to help them just to, regardless of whether they, you know, they, they go and get a degree and of, of work, work somewhere else and just... I, I do think that the paper helps. I just think that it helps a little bit less than it did even 10 years ago. I think that there okay, are some... Okay, fair enough. I read recently within the past couple of years that Apple, for their corporate hiring practices don't even require a degree anymore. They don't even really. Well, I mean, that, that's what I, that, that's the other reason why I'm asking because there's a lot of other ways that you can be self-employed, you know, or a lot of other jobs that don't there. It's on the job training versus actually having the education that you got at college that, which is why I ask, do you think it's worth it? Because in this, in this article of Forbes, uh, um, Forbes.com, the medium salary for workers with a high school diploma is around 38000 This was roughly taken in the last two years or so, two or three years. Um, and they have an average unemployment rate of 3.1%. And that was as of around 2019. And the medium salary for workers with a bachelor's degree is around $64,000. And their unemployment rate is about 2.2% on average. You know, so... According to this, it seems that it is still valuable to go to college. But again, that doesn't mean you're going to fall into one of those two categories. No, there's a lot assumed in those statistics. Exactly, right? Uh, Well, I I should say that there's a lot that you would assume from those statistics without really necessarily looking at it and breaking it down into the whys. Well, exactly. And I will say this, according to the Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce, two-thirds of jobs required a high school diploma or less before the 1980s. So obviously higher education was thought of as very high as a higher education. I mean, as it, the word says, but you know, that's not really the, the case. It says the, now the Georgetown university predicts that 70% of all jobs will require some college education by around 2027. Some. Yeah. I mean, well, that, whether that just be, whether it's the four-year degree or if it's getting a, an associate's degree or taking a couple of college-level courses and not necessarily doing an entire bachelor's or master's program. Yeah, so that, that does beg the question of what, what exactly are they looking for? Because I think that if I'm hiring somebody and I'm going through the interview process and talking about whether or not they have a degree or four-year degree or two-year degree, whatever it is, my next question is just going to be why? And if that person is extremely intelligent, very qualified, and says, oh, I did two years of college and decided that it was unnecessary to be excellent at what I'm interviewing for right here, right now, you have a conversation about that. And they may have a point. You know, if you look at people that are like, say, computer programmers and developers, software developers, if you're going to hire somebody to develop software, 
you're going to look at what software they've developed. You're going to look at their yeah. coding skills. It doesn't matter if they got those coding skills in their basement or if they got it at Rice University. Yeah, exactly. So, I, so I, I think, I still think, in my personal opinion, that it can be worth it. But I feel like it's it's leaning more towards the just. Well, I, I would I hope. Ladder. I'm I'm actually looking at more people. I think it's a little bit more easier nowadays to be like, no, I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to go get life experience. I'm going to do this, and, and I I feel like you can still do well doing that. I would certainly hope that the younger people, especially if they're looking at this, you know, big student loans, big debt, or if they're looking at really strapping their family, if they're lucky enough to have family that helps pay or pays for all of their higher education. My hope and my advice, I suppose, wrapped into one for the young people would be, if you don't know why you are in school, if you don't know why you're taking on that colossal debt or why you're strapping your family to put out those huge checks, hang back for a minute. Get that life experience you're talking about. Go work somewhere and then decide. There's no reason at 18 years old, if somebody has no clue what they want to do with their life, that they should be at Texas A&M or Rice University just blowing a ton of cash in today's world. Well, and, and to this, and also to, before we wrap this up, I will say this, I, I would also encourage those that are in that situation, whether they know why they're there, they're, even if they don't know why they're there, take advantage of it and, and make the best of it. Oh, I agree. You, if, if you're, you're going to spend the I mean, money, I mean, if you're use gonna, every if, cent If you're going to be there and someone's giving you that opportunity to be there, find a way to make it work somehow for you. You know, it it may not be what you intended. It may not be what they thought it would be, but find a way, you know, I, I am all for education, always for education. I think it's very, very important. I want to make that very clear. But as far as this whole, let me ship out, you know, 50 grand a year for high school and then 50 grand a year for, for college for, right. you, you, you know, you're, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think who's, who's giving these lottery tickets to people? Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> the stakes are much higher now and the stakes are just too high to be flipping about it and casual about it and, you know, burn all this cash for no reason. I mean, heck, if you're going to, if you're going to go into a hundred thousand dollar debt, Brian, just to go to U of H and you decide to put that money into, let's just say the stock market instead. I mean, come on, an average return of 11% over the past, what, so, so you're comparing 50 years? college to the stock market? Well, I'm just saying there are better <laughs> things you can do with your money if you're going to waste it. Well, right? Just don't waste I mean, it, it, to your point. Just don't okay, waste it. If well, you're going to go, enough, fair enough. go. I was right? just kind of like, I was like, yeah, let me, let me buy $50,000 worth of CGI, right? Why? Okay, because I like those initials. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, hey, buddy, let me tell you, if, if uh, the people that are graduating from their four-year degrees this year had put all that cash into Tesla instead, <laughs> oh, I know, right? they'd have a much different starting point than they have right now. It, man, it just begs it, it, the first one to finish or create the time machine is going to be a very, very rich man. <laughs> He's go back and just be like, yes, Yahoo. <laughs> you know, Brian, but I, I, will, I would like to finish the segment on this note, and that is that I think you and I can agree that we have met so many amazing people in our lives, some of which have gotten degrees, some of which haven't gotten degrees. And the bottom line is, if you're going to put your time and effort and your heart into something, you're probably going to be successful. Yeah. A piece of paper is not going to make the difference. I, I can get on the same page with that. I, I am absolutely in agreement. There's so many successful people, the paper does not make you successful. It's, it's what you do with your life. Right. So it's not a free pass. So it's, it's not a free pass. And then I guess that's the, that's the other, we'll leave it with that, with that question, you know, 
to let us know. Do you guys really think that that piece of paper for college is a free pass for people? Or, you know, how, what is your stance on this increasing set of tuition for colleges and high schools. I agree. And I would love to hear from our listeners on that. I would love to hear from both sides of the coin too. If we have listeners that don't have a degree and don't regret it, I'd like to know why. And we have listeners that absolutely required a degree for what they do. I'd like to know why. And now a word from our sponsor. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. Combining years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales, CNG offers big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. And now back to the show. Okay, so our second topic of the day is a little bit a little lighthearted. So I know we dove in a lot to some finances and I know I think I broke you know, a sweat. Yeah, you know, are you doing the right thing? But now we're going to talk a little bit about some baby apes. Woohoo! Yeah. So tell me about this. I'm I'm curious. So the the Virginia Zoo is having an auction. Uh, they're auctioning off the rights to name the the new baby ape. That is at the zoo. Um, and this is a, this is a, a Siamang. Is that correct? I, yes, I I want to say that's how you pronounce it, but it's a very endangered uh, ape. But yes, I, I believe that's correct. It's S I A M A N G. Siamang. Siamang. So it's a very cute little durable picture right there. Um, you know, you can you can check it out. Uh, the Virginia Zoo is in uh, Norfolk, and they're having this auction, which, if you're listening today, uh, as the day of the, our episode dropping today, I believe that is the last chance. If you want to get in on this action, you, you, you still might have a chance. So since it's, a, since it's a naming auction, is it just me, or is it kind of amusing that Siamang kind of sounds like, say my name. <laughs> say my, <laughs> wow, so many copyright laws that we could have broken right there with that. Um, but at, again, right now, this is a six to seven week old ape. And it is remaining nameless until, you know, the rights come in, which is, I guess, kind of a cool, cool thing that they're doing. I mean, what what is your take on that? Do you think that, I mean, the zoos have to make money, you know, they got to find ways to help fund all the projects and things that they're doing. So it's just another way to, to allow that. But what would you name this baby ape if you had the chance, if you, if you won the auction? I I know it's, it's, it's kind of like, why would I want to name a baby ape? Like what? Is it just is it just the fact that you know that well I want to give money to the zoo and so might as well just get a perk out of it? I think that that is exactly what it is. Is people that want to have a little bit of fun, but also be truly just donating to a good cause, and I'm all for that. I mean, anybody. It's, it's like has buying money, the, the lords and lady titles or something that, sure, in Scotland or, or something. It's, it's like buying a brick on a sidewalk for a project. You know, anything that that kind of makes you feel like you're part of something while you're spending your hard-earned money to support that institution or support that facility, whatever it might be. I'm all for it. I think it's great. What would I name it? I would name it Mang. Mang the Siamang. Mang the Siamang. Let's just glad that you haven't won that auction. No, because seriously, like how much trouble can I, can I get in in 2022 with cancel culture when the only reason why I want to do that is I'm like, yo, what's up, Mang? What's up? <laughs> Every time I see my Siamang, what's up, Mang? And you would just, there'd be a, a family of, of, of viewers looking at the monkey at the zoo being like, who is this guy? 
Make him leave. Indeed. And for <laughs> lawsuits and hate crime accusations, you can reach out to admin at neighborsdoglock.com. <laughs> say my name. Say, say my name. Uh, you know, but this particular ape, it's typically found in Malaysia and, and Indonesia. And they live up high in the rainforest and the trees, and they propel themselves along and they swing. And they're well, I mean, yeah, it's an ape. I it's mean, an ape. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that but, tends to be but, what they do. But some are lazy, you know. <laughs> so, That's true. It's an active ape. It's a very active ape. Uh, very powerful arms, apparently. So according according to this article, um, you know. But again, according to the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Conservation Biology Institute. The Siamang numbers are estimated to have decreased by up to 50% in the last 40 years. Oh, that's horrible. Is this habitat destruction? Is that what's uh, yes. causing it? Yeah, habitat destruction and, and you know, subsequent de- degradation uh, from commercial timber harvesting, you know, things like that. Yeah, um, we humans, we do a lot of cool things, but we're also uh, pretty damn selfish in terms of how much we spread. Yes. Um, you know, it's weird, though, that also the Smithsonian also notes the popularity of the Siamangs as illegal pets, including the practice of killing adult Siamangs to take their babies as pets, which is even worse. Oh, that's just horrific. You know, I'm just like, what, really? Why? Why? You, you know, it's, what, what would people, come on. Honestly, come on honestly, to all of our listeners, a request, a hope, a prayer. If you know anybody out there who is in the practice of farming, harvesting, and buying, selling, collecting exotic pets, please just turn your back on them now. Walk away. It is something that is and I don't wish I don't wish tragic. horrible things on people, but I kind of hope that the animals, like... It, it's, just, it's nothing but I tragic, hope they turn. I hope it's, they turn on them, you, you know, know? It's like the guy that got caught with a tiger in Houston, the guy that was on trial for murder. Yeah. It's just disgusting. These animals, they're not meant to be kept in, in your house. It, it's just, it doesn't work. They're not, a, they're not a domesticated cat. They're not a domesticated dog. It's not a yeah. gerbil. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, I would name him Joe. You name him Joe? Yeah. But, but again, they haven't determined the sex of the baby. So that, but okay. I, I think, well, if, I think, if I think do, Joe can go either way. If you do get it on the, in on the auction and you put kind, Joe kind in Kind of like little women, like Joe. Yeah. There if you, you do win, I'm just warning you right now. When I go visit Joe, I'm still saying, <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> um, you know, so th- it's kind of a neat thing. You're supporting a, a, a zoo that does a lot of conservation work. But that also brings me to another question for you, which a lot of people argue this fact. Do you think zoos are evil? No, I don't. I think that for the most, well, let me take that back. I think the zoos certainly can be evil. Sure. Yes. I'm, not, ta- I'm are- not talking about theme parks with animals and things like that, which I-, I think that's a whole different can of worms that we're not going to go down right yeah. now. I-, I think there's all kinds of zoos out there that can be really, really terrible, terrible places. But I do think that the zoos that we're used to and we're talking about, the Houston Zoo, the Bronx Zoo, places like that, you know, the San Diego Zoo, these are almost entirely staffed by animal lovers who are interested in one thing and one thing only, and that is conservation and, and helping, rescue. helping their species. Absolutely. And, and the continuation of their, yeah. Yeah. And most of the zoos don't come into animals because they go out and like hunt them and, and poach them from their environment. Yeah. They're These saving, usually, they're saving them usually. In, indeed. Yeah, yeah. They're usually sick or injured, can't be in the wild. Now, of course, you do have births that happen in these zoos and that's a bit of a, well, a different story gets y- a little bit more questionable. Well, yes. And there's like Columbus Zoo, a lot of other places. Like there's some of these places, their, their goal with that is to return them to the, you know, to the wild. Like those that are, are permanent residents, like you said, most of them, I believe, are because they can't. 
go live in the wild because they wouldn't survive. Yeah. Uh, for yeah. whatever reason, health, illness, you know, just ha- was in a bad situation and can't provide for themselves the way they could. But, but well, I, maybe you can educate me and our listeners a little bit, Brian, because you have a history of volunteering at the Houston Zoo. Yeah? Yes, which I absolutely adore. And I know some people look at that and they're like, oh, you support the zoo. And I'm like, well, you know, th- a lot of these programs um, are, are made up of, of many, many volunteers. So it's, there's a limited amount of staff because again, zoos are not, they're not made of money, which makes sense why they're finding ways to, to bring more money in and have people feel like they're part of the institution and helping, you know, uh, preserve this, this species. But the, the volunteers are a heavy, heavy part of what happens here, specifically in the Houston Zoo. And I always love the people over there. And I'm not just talking about the other volunteers. I'm talking about the people that actually work at the zoo. And you can really see the love of, of not just the animals, but how they do education, how they, you know, do the plant, like planting, you know, the uh, horticulture and, and things around the habitats and, and the, and making it a place to educate people that live in a, in a great city like Houston. So it's a wonderful thing. I support zoos. I know, th- but I do know there's a lot of people that think that they are very evil and enslaving animals. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, but some people also say that about pets like house pets. So indeed, I, in fact, I have a dear friend who truly believes that any kind of house pet is, is morally wrong. And, uh, and even even we had a, a betta fish recently. He was he was pretty vocal and upset about that. Anybody who thinks that zoos can be an awful place, you know, just take a look at planet Earth. When our alien overlords made this zoo for us, it's <laughs> it's a pretty nice spot, you know. So yeah, I, think I know, right? I think it's okay. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Gosh knows we wouldn't have made it without some helping hands. So do you, what would do you know? What would a zoo, a quote unquote zoo, in, on another planet look like? On an alien planet look like? Do you think it would be like people like us? Oh, for sure. It'd be me. <laughs> it'd be you. Yeah. You'd be on display. What, yeah. what would be in your habitat? Except my name would be like pig fucker because somebody won the auction. <laughs> oh, zig tak There's a pig fucker over there. <laughs> oh, I'm sitting there munching on straw, scratching my balls, looking at the... <laughs> you'd be munching on straw? I figured you'd be sucking on like a martini or something. That'd be my... <laughs> I like this cage. Yeah. <laughs> Keep them coming, boys. Keep them coming. Yeah, I would be the most simple experiment they ever had to conduct, right? I'd be hitting that red button. More, more, (laughs) more. Well, what do you guys think the name of this new baby ape should be? And if you really want to get in on this, you can go check it out, I'm sure. Um, But I believe today is the last day of the time of this recording is dropping. So Yeah, also a bit of a a public poll. If anybody wants to post up, I'm curious, would anybody like Neighbors Don't Knock to run a auction for naming one of our episodes? Oh, that'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool, yeah. Either that or for a guest. Can they name the guest? Can they name the guest? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not your name. I, yeah. you, I won your rights. Today, your, your name is Bob. <laughs> yes, Bob. Yeah, or Mang. And you can be our man. You can't take Joe. Okay, uh, but I think it's about time to wrap this one up. I appreciate uh, hanging out. Indeed, and- but before we go, we do have to offer up some of our... Oh, neighborly advice. You're right. Oh, what's wrong with me? You know, you just you're abandoning our neighbors, Brian. I I'm I'm not abandoning them. I just I, I I'm a busy neighbor. All right, I'm a I'm a busy man. So so, so <laughs> this week our neighborly advice is coming from a recent personal experience of mine with a dear friend and neighbor, and that is whether you're a homeowner or you rent your home, 
Be sure to inspect your major appliances yearly. Specifically, I'm referring to your hot water heater or your HVAC system. In this case, my neighbor did not inspect her hot water heater yearly as she knows that she should have. It catastrophically failed flooding out her house. Ah. Yeah, in Houston, they tend to put these things up in the attic for some reason. Such a rookie mistake. It's a very strange deal, but it is a rookie (laughs) mistake. And honestly, it's something that you can do yourself or you can pay your local plumbers or your local uh, AC and heater people just to pop by once a year, take a look, make sure your cutoff valves are working, make sure your catch pan is not taking on water, functioning properly, and make sure that the tank has not corroded. Yes, to the and, point where it's and for those neighbors right now that don't understand a thing of what Philip says, <laughs> your job is to call a plumber yearly. Or call or your an, landlord. Annually, or your landlord. Honestly, if, if you have <laughs> if a hot water those, heater. any of those words were, were went right over your head, uh, indeed. you might want to get on the phone with your landlord indeed. and plumber. If you have a hot water heater, an air conditioner, or a home heater, whether you rent or own, somebody needs to come out and have a look at that thing or those things once a year. Yeah, and, and by the way, for, if you're checking your inspecting your own stuff, don't leave random parts laying out in the driveway because some birds do like to take parts away from people. You cut me deep, Brian. So, <laughs> you cut me really I wasn't gonna, deep. I wasn't going to say who that happened to, but I, I guess it's out of the, I guess cat's out of the bag or bird took the, I don't know. It's a story for another episode. It is a story for another episode. Uh, well, great. Well, that's some good neighborly advice. I love that. But we're about time to wrap this one up this week. So Indeed. we want to thank you guys for joining us as always. Indeed. And Brian, thank you for stopping by. It's always wonderful to have you at the house. Yeah, absolutely. Remember, you can check out some of our previous episodes of this season. We had Kelly Estes on the show. Oh, man, it's, it's great. We got a great slate of guests that are going to be coming and stopping by. Indeed. And that starts again with the very next episode. So be sure to tune in next week. We have a fantastic guest in store for you. He's a real treat. Ooh, yes. And he's got a lot of good advice for you guys. Uh, make and sure a you good f- radio voice. Yeah, he does. Ooh, teaser. Okay, make sure you guys check out new episodes every Friday. Follow us on social media and make sure you subscribe. Peace. Out.